Welcome to the Gas It Out podcast. For those of a sensitive persuasion, a word of warning. There really is hardly any profanity or naughtiness, but occasionally Hodgie will let his enthusiasm get the better of him and might make reference to a private part or even use one of those soft bad words that they use before the watershed on a particularly heavy episode of EastEnders. But I don't think your kids are going to turn into terrorways. Uh, do you know what bike that is in the intro, by the way? Have you worked it out yet? It sounded like a Ducati. Oh, did it sound like a Ducati? Did it? It did. Or did it? Yes. Or did yeah. it? Well, yeah. uh, I think we should uh, get people to write in what bike they think that is. Right. And who is I on it? As well. I like that. I need to listen to it again now. You've said that. I didn't know it was a competition. Now, I'm, now it's serious. It, it wasn't a competition until now. Uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome once more to the Gas It Out podcast. I'm Gavin Emmett. Uh, the voice you're hearing on the other end sipping his coffee is Neil Hodgson. Uh, and we're hoping to keep you entertained while you are locked indoors. Um, I mean, that does actually... <laughs> that does sound a bit of a dystopian nightmare, doesn't it? Locked inside well, with I'm, Hodgie rabbiting away in your ears, drinking coffee. Right, dictionary. Don't oh, throw the big words too early, Gav. It's still relatively <laughs> early this morning. You know, I've got that. You know, some people don't like noises in their ear. You, have you seen that thing, ASMR, where people get really nope. close and talking to the microphone like that and whisper? Yeah. Creepy. Some, some people love it, though. Oh, my God, it puts me on edge. It's like fingers down a blackboard for me. Yeah, you, anyway, love, you, you love all that, don't you, though? Oh, I can't stand it, can't stand it. Anyway, um, by the way, Neil, gas it out, seems to be doing the trick. So uh, thanks everyone to listening so far, who's uh, been listening. We do appreciate all the comments too, very kind, especially those on iTunes and Apple, um, because this is the first time we've actually recorded since we've gone on air. It's not on air, but do you know what I mean? Since we've actually published everything. Uh, and we are on iTunes now, which I'm chuffed about. Neil, that's good, isn't it? That, yeah, well, you said from day one that's a goal. You know, hopefully we can get accepted onto iTunes and yeah. we've got accepted pretty much straight away. So, According to um, official stat merchant Dr. Martin Rains, Neil, 70% of podcasts are listened to there. Okay, that's good then. Stick that that's in really positive. Hey, and what about the feedback we've had already? We got some feedback yesterday. Uh, Sparky1971, he said, it's like being down the pub with your expert mates. But you put expert in brackets, so I don't know what, why you had to put that in brackets. But uh, people seem to be enjoying it, Gav. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm, he's probably talking about me on that one. Although it is actually a bit like being down the pub because I'm still having to get my own drinks. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah. nothing changes. Um, jo- I'll tell you what, um, Joanne was another one who re- uh, sent in a bit of correspondence. Remember you were talking about being um, grandma's favourite, housewife's favourite? Joanne says, sorry, Neil, but Gav has to be this Nana's guilty crush. Oh, is that, is that Joanne? Your only female friend, Joanne. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and Lewis as well. Uh, keep it going. Great listening. I'm only actually saying that because I don't want. Uh, I would never uh, do, do put it. But he's a Leeds United fan, so instant respect, Neil. Leeds you know I mean? United. You agree? What's going to happen? Just quickly. Go what on. is going to happen now? Because obviously Leeds are top of the championship. Don't, we what don't, will happen? Gav? We don't they, discuss it, do we, Lewis? We don't talk about it. What will happen? 
We're no, going we'll to get promoted. It's going to happen. No, it's, it's going to, it's going to happen. No we're going to get promoted. Let's not talk about football. That'll, no. Not only have I revealed I'm a Leeds United fan that will make half the people switch off, but the majority of people listening to this are motorcycle fans, and a majority of them aren't big football fans, I suggest. I don't know. So they're all switched off. So if you have stuck with us now, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Hey, the name's Gas It Out's popular still, Neil. You're, you're not yeah, convinced do you know yet? What? Yeah, I've, I've, I've still not come up with anything. I know that was only, you only give me one job. It's tricky. I've been flat out, though, since we last talked. Have you? What have you been doing? Well, I, some paint arrived from Amazon the other day. Some more shed paint. Are you trying more to get like... a deal with Amazon there on paint? For all your paint <laughs> needs, go to Amazon. <laughs> Just like if you mention, you know, mention Amazon. <laughs> but and, Amazon um... Jeff Bezos will be on the phone tomorrow. Just looking out the window, I can just see a Ferrari driving past. There you go. Anyone listening from Ferrari? And <laughs> I'm just trying to think what I want in my life. <laughs> Claudia Schiffer. <laughs> your, your girlfriend's going to listen to this, so you should be careful on that one. There's one thing I know, right? Vic's out the house at the moment. Oh, thank God. Right, we don't spend... Me and Vic, you know, we've been together for six years. We've got, I've got a great relationship with Vic. There is no way she'll listen to this, so I can say it. But is she doing her exercise relate. or is she doing a shop? Uh, She's you know. doing a, a shop for mum and dad and our next door neighbour. We've got. Oh, that's really very kind of you. In fact, she, she's loving it. It's like it's like she's such a nice person, caring. Like she's nothing like me. So. I'm going to say. Anyway, let me, Gav, I need to talk about her while she's out the house. For God's sake, you Go know on. my relationship with her is rock solid. We are we get on so well. Mm. I've discovered the reason why. Why? It's because we don't see each other. <laughs> Look, I am not. I am not joking. I'm sure there's a lot of people at home going through the exact same thing. I tell you what, we are. We've been. We've been at each other a little bit. Oh, really? Those, already? Those co- yeah. Already. Already. Exactly. Blimey. So, oh, I'm. I'm having to stay out the house as much as I can. I'm just making. I'm just sat in the garden. She's like, you still painting the fence? I'm like, yeah. No, <laughs> you they, finished that last week. Tw- Twelve coats. A fence. <laughs> so. Superb. I do like that. So, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, for my uh, girlfriend, Kate, who I've mentioned before works for the NHS, they had the big clapping, didn't they? The big clap at eight yeah. o'clock. Yeah. We missed it. No. We missed God. it. Yeah, I had to give her a, 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 a private right. clap. A, a private clap? <laughs> I've just realised that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but we completely what? missed it. We were in the kitchen... Um, faffing about with the dog or something like that I can't remember what it was feeding that's the dog brilliant. I and love completely it. and utterly missed it and then she's watched them all back and go oh my god I can't believe you distracted me I was like no I didn't I didn't I will I want to point out one thing that she sent me um, is a link goodsamapp.org forward slash NHS have you signed up for that I signed no, I don't up even know. What is it? That's the one where you can sign up to be a volunteer for the NHS call oh, people okay, who right, are right. You know, vulnerable that kind of thing and help out this is in the UK of course because um, yep. I know there are people actually listening from uh, outside of the UK, people in the States um, I've heard from, people in Australia as well. So, uh, yeah, but sign up and help out people. There's a lot of people stuck at home and uh, it sounds like Vic's doing it. She's yeah. the one with the good heart in your relationship, let's put it that way. She definitely is, we know that. Hey, the- also, guess what, this week I watched the marble racing. Oh, I love right. Yeah. What a course. It's cracking, in it? To, to sort of... Prepare though this chicanes. It just keeps going on. I know you like, think it sounds it's going to end now. Boring. It's going to end. It, though. It the light blue. Boring, but... The light blue is handy. <laughs> Everyone I've it seen, looks... the light blue's right up there. 
Yeah, oh, marble right, racing. Go, go for it. We uh, we talked about that in the first podcast. So uh, uh, yeah, get the marble racing on. Um, in ta- in terms of MotoGP racing, actually, um, latest news: Jerez, uh, the Spanish Grand Prix, has been delayed indefinitely. In theory, the season now starts in MotoGP May the seventeenth in Le Mans. Can't see it personally with no. how things are in France. They've already moved the twenty-four hours from April to well, it was originally September, now to August. Uh, but Mugello would be next after that, start of June, and Catalonia, two places that are really badly affected. It's difficult to see, isn't it, at this moment in time where MotoGP might start? Yeah, yeah, I can't even, literally, I can't even get my head around it. So mm. I think it's, if it does go ahead, it might it might start in October time or something like that. And they just cram a lot of rounds together. There's talk that they can run into January, potentially. As uh, part of the championship, and why not? And have you not could obviously race at Silverstone in, in December or January, but Malaysia could, and yeah, so, so a lot of the tracks we go to, I think you could manage it. So fingers crossed that, that something happens. If you are missing your bike fix, obviously listen to Gas It Out all the way through, and the bonus content at the end, uh, which we had on the last episode. But there's also yeah. a virtual esport race going on. You'll have seen it. Maverick Vinales is taking on Mark Marquez and Alex Rins and Fabio Quartararo. They're doing it on the MotoGP. 19 game and it's being broadcast on MotoGP.com and BT are also doing it for those in the UK uh, it's going out on their Facebook page people say why is it not on the TV so on and so forth because it's one of these where the programme start time isn't guaranteed nor the end time and they don't know you know what I mean they can't work it out so it's going on their Facebook page and hopefully on Twitter as well uh, that's right. good that's good news we've got our own programme to talk about as well haven't we Neil on uh, Sunday, BT Sport 1, we've made it big time, we're on BT Sport 1, and Neil, we are going live from home. I'm so nervous about this. <laughs> I, 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 I can't imagine how this is going to work. So everything's being done remotely. So the producers, directors, sound men. Yeah, the producers in Norwich, uh, the directors yeah. in... Uh, West London. The sound guys are in the garage, or the sound guy is in his garage uh, down in Surrey. We've got people running the videos out from their back bedrooms, uh, people vision mixing uh, from Essex and, and London, and all, everyone basically it's all individuals around the country connected by broadband and phone. And myself and Neil at home, we've got full studio set up in our houses. Now, well, actually, I've got to set it up today, to be honest. Yeah, so um, I. And yeah, we've got. A couple of iPhones and we've got cameras and lights and ah, it's making my head hurt. But I've got a head. Honestly, I've got a headache looking at all the stuff we've got to set up because you know what I'm like. I'm just about. I can just about turn my phone on and off. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. It is true. Uh, you are a technophobe in some ways, aren't you? But yeah, absolutely. How cool is the program? So because we've got no racing on, what can we do? And we've been throwing these things around. And North One who make the programme alongside BT Sport have come up with a great idea to choose the greatest race of the MotoGP era. And so over the next four weekends, we're going to have four races on a Sunday. So four this Sunday, four the Sunday after, four after that, 16 in total. And then the fifth weekend, we've picked the best, or you at home, the fans, will pick the best uh, from each week and they'll go head-to-head on that final uh, Sunday and we will get the best MotoGP race of the era since 2002. And people say will say, why that? Because it's all about rights and, and things that, that they're the only ones that 
we can have access to. Some people go, oh, 1979, Silverstone, Sheen and Roberts or what have you. We don't have that. Nobody has that or cleared and so we're allowed to use it on telly. But how excited are you? It's a Rossi special on Sunday, Neil. Oh, well, we've been doing our homework, haven't we, Gav? I've been watching the races. I watched a couple this morning first thing. Oh, you just forget the quality sometimes. You, you know, in the back of your mind, not, not of Valentino Rossi, the quality of the races. You know, the, the way that some of those, those last corners... The way that Rossi stalks his opponents, he is like a cat and a mouse, isn't he? He just plays with them, and uh, which, which, I can't wait for someday. Th- there's going to be a Mark Marquez episode, I think, later on. In but this this weekend, it's four Rossi victories that we're doing because they are yeah. fantastic races. Um, there's uh, Velcom 2004, first win with the Yamaha. There's Barcelona, which is an all-time classic himself from Jorge Lorenzo. There's Jerez 2005, the scrap with Sete Gibbonat that went down to the final corner. And there's also Assen 2015, which also went down to the final corner with Marc Marquez. Uh, but Marc Mark has been a bit cat and mouse, but he was definitely the mouse in that Assen one. You've been watching that one, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rossi controlled the race, but then obviously it went down to the last corner and it's a bizarre last corner. What I like about the races, I've watched all four now, even though you've seen them before, it's like watching a classic film. It's like watching Shawshank Redemption, where you go, I could just sit and watch that 20 or 30 times. You know it's what's going to happen, these races. but you still, yeah, exactly. you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, as It's almost as if you've never seen it before. Yeah, that's sweaty palms, all that sort of stuff. So uh, that's on Sunday. We're going to do it every Sunday, aren't we? So it's, it's like the Rossi Sunday this Sunday, the next Sunday... I don't know if is, is that gonna are we gonna do a, a Lorenzo one? There's a, I think there's a Lorenzo Stoner one, Marquez. I'm not yeah. there's a few different ones. So yeah, that's that's gonna come on, on BT Sport. Yeah, plenty of bike racing, great races. And we're gonna, and we're chat, gonna chat about do, it and analyse it, exactly, bit, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Do the programme around it. So should be fun. I'm looking forward to it anyway. And I know the quality of the races, so we're in for a right treat. Yeah, that's the greatest race, BT Sport 1, on Sunday, four hours of, and we will be chatting live. It's not like we're recording it or anything. We are going live. It's a massive technical undertaking. Thanks to everyone at BT for putting it together from our point of view, because we know how hard they are working behind the scenes uh, to get something out there for all the, the fans and subscribers. It's not an easy time. They don't have any live sports. So we're doing what we can uh, to, to try and keep you guys happy. We better have a quick chat, uh, Neil, about our guest today, uh, who is two-time Grand Prix winner, uh, he is a Patronus rider. He rides on the Honda Patronus in Moto3. Finished on the podium in the opening round of this year's World Championship in Qatar. Um, obviously, only Moto2 and Moto3 were running. It is, of course, Scotland and Britain's John McPhee. Uh, and he's a good pal of ours, isn't he, Neil? John McPhee, John McFast, Wee McPhee, McFun. We've got so many names for him. Good pal. I've got to say this right, he's my favourite. I've been thinking about him. Obviously, I knew we were going to talk to him today. We're, we're so lucky. I, I feel like he's my son almost. Because t- <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But though? we have we've watched gone, him, haven't we? Yeah. Grow, grow up. up. Yeah, li- yeah li- literally grow up. You know, from being a young kid to being where he is now. He's lying second in the World Championship after one round and looks like a class act. We love this man. You, won't, you genuinely want me to nice a character. 
Yeah, so uh, we're going to speak to uh, the Scot, who I remember when you first interviewed him, Neil. In fact, we should probably talk to him about that. But you got told off uh, about how to name his own hometown, didn't you? It was it was funny. It's really my first sort of dealings with him. So this was back in, let's think, when this was 2014, uh, the official test before the season starts. And I sat down with him and I said, well, first of all, uh, John McPhee, age whatever he was then, 18, from Auburn. And he went, I'll have to stop you there, Neil. I can't really do the accent. I'll have to stop you there, Neil. No, That's I'm happy like... <laughs> the first time so it's going to be your... No wonder he got annoyed. Uh, what's funny about this is this joke has stuck with John, even though he doesn't know about it. We've always laughed about it. He says, it's not Auburn, it's Auburn. And I went, you are? And he went, it's not Auburn, it's Auburn. And I was like... Yeah, well, whatever, John. Yeah, Auburn. He just said it the same both times. So we, we never knew what was the correct pronunciation of Auburn. But it's John McPhee from Auburn. Brilliant. Let's hear from him. John, you there? Good morning. Hi, Gap. Good morning. Can you hear me? Can you hear Neil? Is that the world famous Wee McPhee McFass? Housewives, not really favourite, but um, <laughs> young girls' favourite. How was that, John? Young girls' favourite. Am I taking over for you, am I? <laughs> How are you, John? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? We're coping. Me and, uh, me and Gav are coping. We're... Uh, we're staying in touch. We speak every day, me and Gav. Gav's missing me more than I'm missing him. But um, but what we're, we're enjoying finding, this podcast. Yeah, what we're finding, John, is with the podcast, we're actually speaking to more people than, <laughs> than we ever get a chance to at home anyway. So you're back in Scotland now, aren't you? In Oban? I am, yeah. I uh, It wasn't planned. I actually came back to, to visit family, visit my girlfriend. And uh, yeah, with all the, the travel restrictions, ended up uh, getting stuck here. So couldn't travel back out to Andorra. Um, definitely worst places to be stuck but yeah i will be here for the foreseeable future now that's better john, than would you've been stuck by john, yourself in andorra i need to jump in gav go on gav i need to jump in john is it Auburn, or is it Auburn? <laughs> well neither of them really it's kind of hard for that accent. what what don't don't tell me there's a third brilliant don't tell me this is the you've third. got it wrong again <laughs> i don't know i mean different different people say it differently but i would say Auburn. I you <laughs> He can't have it. He can't get it right. Gav, it's not Auburn, and it's definitely not Auburn, but it's Auburn. <laughs> We've got there in the end. Right, sorry, John. Go on. All sorry, I know is I'm it's a good whiskey. Well, that's what I know. It is a good whiskey. And actually, I went up there once with um, Bradley Smith, came to Glencoe and did a walk, actually. We were doing a feature with MCN, and we... It's absolutely stunning up there, John. I seen that feature you've done. That was so brave planning that in. I don't know how you uh, how you managed to get away with that because it was dry the whole time, wasn't it? I know, when and it came. was beautiful. But I absolutely got I absolutely got bitten to death by midges. By midges, yeah. That's that's the one big downside. In summer here, it's absolutely beautiful. It's I've got to say it is one of the nicest countries, but. It only ever you get about two weeks of summer and then the rest of the time it's peeing down with rain so oh i don't know that sounds uh, harsh to me that sounds harsh i see all those beautiful photos of, do you live near the water there i do yeah 
yeah, wow. we can yeah literally a stone throw from the water. So I'm at my I'm at mom and dad's place at the minute. I don't have uh, my own place here, but yeah, we're only we can see see the Connell Bridge, the famous Connell Bridge. Ah, oh, it sounds beautiful, and I know I know what it is like up there. And the thing as well, John, as a Scot, right? You were popular across the country amongst motorcyclists, but. Scots are fiercely proud of their own, aren't they? Do especially doing anything on the world stage. That must feel amazing when you travel around the world to represent. And you've always got the the saltire on your helmet too. Yeah, I mean it's it's different. It's uh, it's not so common, obviously. Um, with the last one being Neil uh, Neil Hodgson, Neil McKenzie. Sorry, <laughs> can't get them too mixed up. <laughs> Easy, yeah, to no, no. Yeah, Easy to do. Easy to do. It's uh, it's different. I mean, it's we we only have kind of two tracks here in scotland you have not kill and east fortune so it's the i'd say it's not the the simplest route to try and get onto the world stage coming from well anywhere in the uk really but especially from scotland i was going to ask about that about being on the world stage because we're here now right about um a lot of people having to pay for their rides in moto three and and some people falling by the wayside because they're not able to uh raise the money you're in a fantastic team and i'm sure this is probably one of the best places that you, you've ever been. I know you came through a great system with Racing yeah. Steps Foundation and what have you, but what a team you have. I just wonder about the advantages, disadvantages of being a Brit and, and staying and being in the championship Moto3. Well, yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's definitely been, uh, definitely been some tough years um, throughout my whole kind of world championship career so far. But yeah, now, um, yes, yeah, certainly in, in the best team uh, hands down that I've been in and the most professional they have the funding they have the support there and it makes just such a big difference um, like yeah such a huge difference you can't you can't really compare um, it's one of them kind of you turn up every every race weekend and they're always bringing new things to the table and they're always on their on their A game and with the class being so close now it makes uh, it makes the rider be able to just focus on uh, well, riding the bike and not have any other distractions um, outside of that. You've ridden for for private teams in the past, Neil, where there was no support, that kind of thing. It's not easy. It's another thing that you don't want to have to think about, isn't it? No, and it's what pe- it's another thing people don't realise. Sat at home, they might be watching John race and you know go, ah, oh, that's been a disappointing result, but they've not seen what's going on in the in the background. And as we said right at the beginning of this podcast, we all very close to John. I've spent a lot of time in and around him in his garages over the years, really, with different teams. He's swapped and changed teams a lot. And I can say this, John can't. Some of the teams he's ridden for have been terrible. Like I say, John won't say that. But I've been standing there. I, don't know. I, don't, I think ter- terrible is a harsh word. But yeah, ter- I, I get where you're coming from. Terrible. What In respect to your job as a team, and obviously you're the rider, is to try and win races. And you're there on second-hand parts, you know, let's say not top-quality personnel. It's a reality of the paddock, you know, teams work with the budgets they've got. But the hard bit when all that's happening is, from the rider's standpoint, so for John, is to keep calm and keep that self-belief that, you know, keep working, keep doing the right thing. Hopefully, eventually, I'll get spotted, I'll get an opportunity. And that's where... Racing in Grand Prix is so difficult because you have to go through the difficult teams, the, the ones that aren't as qualified, skilled, yeah, financially supported. That's what John's done. And that's why now we're seeing John in his second year in the Patronus team. 
you know, arguably one of the best teams now in that championship. And look at the difference now. You know, obviously, it, it's like it's a perfect marriage, I feel like. Everything's come together at the right time. John's experience, confidence, and now he's in the right teams to fight for a world title. Yeah, and it, <clears throat> the one thing for me that always gets me is, John, you're not having to pay for the ride. And you've actually, you have been lucky. We had the support of Racing Steps originally, didn't you, who helped you get on. But other people haven't had that. And what do you make of the whole idea of someone paying for a world championship ride? It, it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sit right with me either. I mean, yeah, going back to the Racing Steps, obviously I'm very very grateful for, for everything they done for me because they they were the ones that brought me into the world championship they they took me out of the uk which as a british rider is one of the hardest things to to do is leave the uk uh took me through the spanish championship route and then they yeah they basically paid for the first two years of my uh, my racing career in, didn't, didn't bradley in smith help out as well yeah so uh that was kind of going back towards the british championship so right. it was krp yeah. um, and it was supported by bradley smith as well um and then he was a little bit of a rider coach with uh, with the racing steps. He would kind of come along. Um, I personally didn't get to do it, but he done it with some of the other guys. He took them to some tracks and gave them some one-to-one tuition. And he was always there. He was always helping the cause. Um, and, yeah, obviously, all of us guys were looking up to Brad and, um, yeah, seeing what he was doing. So he was it was really good for him to, to take time out of his, his season as well and help us along the way. But, yeah, going back, Sorry, going back to your question, I think it is. It's tough because now, uh, um, especially in the last kind of two or three years, the prices have just shot up. I mean, mm. I've heard some absolutely ridiculous uh, sums of money that people have been paying. Um, and quite frankly, if it came to that now, if if I was in a position where I was having to pay for a ride, I, I definitely 100% wouldn't be in the paddock. So um, there's guys. John, that- give us some numbers. So that the people at home, because people won't know when you say ridiculous amount of money, what we're talking to buy a Moto Three ride, you know, for the year. Well, I've heard a couple now as much as like six hundred thousand euros what? for one season. What? It's like where where do you possibly start getting that money from? See, I mean, see originally I, the... I, remember, I remember it being around the hundred grand mark, and people would talk about that. And then I'd heard last year uh, people asking three hundred grand. I didn't realise it was getting even more ridiculous. Yeah, well, to put it into kind of perspective, I, I came into World Championship in 2013. Um, and kind of back then, uh, a cheap team, I guess you'd be looking at kind of around 100,000 mm. is, is kind of the ballmark. And there was teams like some of the higher teams up then, uh, the likes of your Calvo or any of them teams, they were asking kind of 250, 300. And back then it was, it was impossible. And now, from what I can understand, if you want to kind of, buy into one of the uh, most, uh, I'm sorry, the least respected kind of teams in the paddock. They, they're they kind of asking two, 250, 300 just yeah. to kind of get a starter into the, the World Championship. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit crazy. There's definitely talent out there, which, which I feel like deserve uh, the seat more than a couple of people that are in the Championship. But it's it's unfortunately the way it's going. I'm absolutely flabbergasted by that, aren't you, Neil? That's, I mean, who the has th- that kind of money? The thing is, Gav, what I've always said with paying for your ride is the problem with it, and if it's, let's say, not 600, if it's 300,000 euros, do you know what you get at the end of the year? Nothing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. If you finished, uh, let's say, well inside the top 10 in the championship, you've had a few podiums, you might then progress to getting a ride for free. But if you don't, 
you give the team your 300,000, you ride around for the season with them. And at the end, if you want to go racing again, guess what? You have to find another 300 grand. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. it's impo- impossible figures, aren't they? Just... <clears throat> and how many times have we seen it where people have stumped up some cash at the start and the, they haven't even ended the season with the team that they've been funding? Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. And I mean, don't get me wrong, when I'm, when I'm saying 600, it's not that every rider's paying that. That's no. kind of your one or two kind of <clears throat> special cases where. Uh, yeah, obviously the the team need money and the riders desperate for a ride, and that's the kind of sums that the odd one or two riders are bringing to the table, and that's that's what what your people who are maybe a little bit more talented and still have money, they still have maybe a hundred thousand or one hundred fifty thousand to to bring to the teams. But when the teams are seeing these different uh, values, obviously they're they're not really caring about an extra one or two positions in the the timesheets. They'd rather take the the extra money. Amazing, amazing. You have to raise that, find all the sponsorship. Uh, I don't know any, I don't know really any rich kids, to be fair, in, in Moto3. I know there are a couple who've got a little bit of cash, but someone who can be stumping up that kind of money every year just doesn't exist. So you've got to go and find the sponsorship. It just yeah, it takes away uh, from, from your racing. Um, John, why do you think you've been able to survive then in the championship where those have fallen by the wayside? And I mean really in British terms as well. It's I, I don't know I mean it's a difficult one obviously I'm um, getting that step in the door with with the racing steps and the backing that they gave me to get two years I think is so important because it it's so hard only coming into the championship and only having one season to really be able to prove yourself so um, yeah obviously getting two years right at the start was was a massive help and then going on from there I mean there's been honestly up until I think uh, last year, it's it's I've kind of got to the end of the season and thought I don't know what I'm doing now. I don't know whether I'm going home, whether I'm, I'm staying, what team I'm going to be with. So it's been obviously there's been a bit of luck in my side. There's definitely been along the way. There's also been some bad luck in my side because um, there've been some good opportunities that have fallen through. Um, but yeah, it's hard to hard to say exactly why. But obviously being a Brit makes a big difference because there's not not many of us around um, in the lower classes that Dorna are looking to bring through so um, they've obviously done a big part as well like going back to 2017 with the, the British talent team where mm. they got that up and running and the British talent cup to try and keep more uh, nationalities in the championship so um, yeah there's been there's been support from all all different areas but um, I'd like to think that I can look back as well on, on every season I've had and okay there's been some some seasons that have been much more difficult than others, but I've been able to look back on every season and kind of take at least a handful of results that I'm I'm uh, really happy with and kind of proud of. And um, yeah, going back as far as 2015, we've been mm. been on the podium now every year since uh, since 2015. So it's yeah, it's difficult to know, but um, yeah, everything's kind of fallen into place now. It's taken a long time to get to uh, the position well, that I'm in but you, you've been in Moto3 now for an, a number of years that you've had a full seasons and actually no one really thought that was possible anymore some some stick around but it's not by choice you have wanted haven't you to to push on it's just as you mentioned being whether it's paying for rides or having the support um the best options been in Moto3 hasn't it and a number of times yeah yeah exactly that exactly that and kind of since uh I think since 2017 has been when I've really started looking at the, the Moto2 option and, and after a couple of races in 2017 when we started the season really strong, that was my my main focus to then going on kind of one year later, uh, or not even one year later, getting to 
towards the end of the season and with the British talent team folding, I was I was nearly out of a ride. I never had never had anything on the table. So um yeah, it can just chop and change uh from one race to the other. I always I always try and stick by people people always remember you by your last race. They never remember anything else. Well, do you know what people you are only as good as your last result. And yours was a second place in Qatar. <laughs> it's lasted for quite a while. We don't know when the next race is going to be. But I'll give you a stat on that one, John, as well. This is for a Dr. Martin Rain special. The, the, the championship winner has been on the podium in Qatar every year since 2007, apart from 2008 when Mike DeMiglia was fourth. But still, so one of you, Arena, Salba and Ayagura are going to be champions this year. That sounds all right, doesn't it? That sounds good, yeah. I would take that, definitely. Tell you what, can, can I just jump in? Gav, you love that stat. Oh, I can't I get really, over it. I think I it's a great stat. that stat now about ten times. All right. <laughs> can that be the last time you recite it? I'm bored of that stat. All right. Well, well, well maybe. It depends, though. I'll bring it out again at the end of the season that we are definitely going to have. When, uh, well, John's if we don't have a season, the it proved to be right. Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. Well, you know. John, can I just jump in? I was, I've been obviously you've been doing Moto Three for is it your eighth season or seventh season? Yeah, eighth over, season. Over those years, when I look at some of the races you've been involved in and some of the some of the guys you've raced against, and I'm looking at like now there's a, there's a, a chunk of them. They've got Rins, Vinales, Miller, Miller, Mia, Oliveira, Binder, and Banyaya all in MotoGP. The question is. Who's been a standout rider that over those years you've been on track with and you've thought, oh my God, I can't believe what this kid can do on a motorcycle. Has there been a standout rider that you've been riding against? Yeah, I think out of out of all of the above, I'd have to say Vinales. He was uh, he was one I remember. I actually remember following him in Barcelona and. As a Brit, one of the typical things we always do, and I remember looking back now and actually laughing, you always go back in and say, I followed whoever, or I followed this guy or that guy, and he's rubbish on the brakes. But then he gets to the fast corners and it just disappears. And that was exactly what happened. I was on his wheel, riding kind of above my limit at that time, trying to stay with him. And we got to the, the final two corners in Barcelona, and he was just carrying so much corner speed. It was it just blew my mind at the time. I, I couldn't understand how that was physically possible. And he yeah, he's definitely one of the riders that, looking back, he, he had something special, even even all the way back when he was in Moto3. And the bikes were a lot, uh, yeah, they're much less power than they are now. But still, he was able to do the lap times just by the, the sheer corner speed that he had. And, and, and then, like, the opposite is, is there any of those sorts of riders that you've raced with and you've... Let's say almost not rated. You've thought, well, I'm every bit as good as him, but they've they've gone on to like great things and being MotoGPs. Is there any of those riders that you think? Well, actually, for example, Oliveira, I never really rated, or Binder, or what? You know, is there anyone? Um, I don't know. I think it would be hard to say. It's, it's a little <laughs> only hard to say because they'd give you a knocking afterwards. <laughs> you can say it to <laughs> us. We're amongst friends. <laughs> there is there is a couple. I'll say there is a couple that. Um, for whatever reason, managed to to get forward without without even really having the full uh, results behind them, you know. But the yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not name gonna name, name them. them. Name, <laughs> name them. Name them. Start with Neil Hodgson. And, uh... <laughs> oh, 
that goes without saying, right? Patreon. The way this podcast works, it's called the Honest Podcast. So go on. Don't you worry. Listen, no one listens to it anyway. So give us some names. Go on. <laughs> on the spot. Well, I'll go back. I'll go back to last year because um, he's not in MotoGP yet. But one guy I struggle to understand how he's world champion is Delaporta. If I'm being honest, mm. I didn't. I didn't really feel like he was such a strong rider last year. And okay, I take my hats off to him. Like obviously done a fantastic job. He's, he's he is world champion, but I didn't really feel last year like he was a standout like the likes of your Mir or even your Bender or any of them guys he just always kind of seemed to be there or thereabouts but never he never dominated well he didn't win a race did he until after halfway point of the season or something like yeah. that and I mean what he done at the end of the season the last the last three three races I think it was the overseas races he won all three of them which then okay the championship was was wrapped up and that was that was really impressive to be able to win three races and a bounce was incredible and obviously pressure was off but up until that point especially on track with them i didn't i didn't really feel like he was he was anything special he always always seemed to have a fast engine and always seemed to be able to get past people uh a little bit easier than others on the streets but i didn't really feel like he was a standout rider i think yeah. i think that's we, we we've something we've said yeah. haven't we we've said yeah. that obviously he could get the bike to come out the corners that team always prepares a great bike but interesting it didn't have a great start to moto two did he either um, I've yeah. got another question for you, John, because you race one two fives as well, right at the start. So the one two five two stroke or the two fifty four stroke Moto three bike. What would I prefer? Or yeah. What would Which I... one? Um, Moto three four stroke is obviously much fairer racing. So in terms of trying mm-hmm. to to fight for race wins and, and winning a championship, it's it's a much more level playing field. But in terms of actual fun out there enjoying yourself I would pick two stroke any any day yeah that's good I like that I like that the idea because a lot of people then think our motor three is nothing like a you know one two five in terms of how it behaves but you've just said it they're a hell of a scrap I mean it's stressful commentating on it never mind being in the thick of it Um, and if you feel you've got a fairer shot of it that's got to be great what is it like is it stressful being in a moto three race yeah it's uh or fun. It's unpredictable, I think, is the, the biggest, uh, or the one word I can definitely put against it. It's definitely unpredictable, but um, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely fun. You have some races where where you're maybe struggling to, to always be there at the front, and you have other races where you feel like you're actually stronger than the group and you could potentially break away. But the, the long and the short of it is now with Moto3 racing, you basically have to prepare for a 10 to 15 bike scrap every single race at every track. It, it just seems to be the way that it's going. And and the amount of times where you're in the mix and and you could win it or you could finish fifteenth, that must be so hard to take. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been a couple of races where that's played into my favour, but it's definitely there's been a few races where you can sit kind of top two, top three, even going back to like the British Grand Prix at Silverstone last year. I was yeah fighting for the victory the whole race and then. With one small error, with two laps to go, I found myself back in like P7, P8, and there was just no way to then come back forward again. So, um, yeah, if you look, if you look at the 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 times, the this finish time at the end of the race, it's very rare that kind of P10 is any more than any more than three or four seconds off the winner. So it is it is tight and unpredictable, but that's that's why so many people love it. 
what was it, 11 or 12 different winners last year, Oji, and, and we know, we watch it all the time. There'll be some people who only switch on for the big boys, for the big race, but Moto3 delivers every single week, doesn't it? I can't remember a bad Moto3 race now. You know what I mean? You sit here and you think, when was the last real boring Moto3 race? That just It doesn't happen. It's so hard for the riders, though. John's talking about it. Because you can do nothing wrong. Someone does a really stupid move a couple of laps ago, pushes you wide, and you're done. Because you drop instantly to the back of the group. You can pick a few off, but your race is done. So the whole bit about it is it's out of your control a lot of it. And that builds anxiety because you're riding, trying to position yourself where you want to be. You've roughly got a plan in your head, but you only need one dive bomb from a Fanati or, well, <laughs> everyone. You could name uh, Darren Binder. Dive bomb Darren. <laughs> you can name so many riders that are really aggressive and they can spoil your race. So, and, and Which is, at the end of the day, that's your weekend gone. All that work, all that effort. John might have been saving his tyres throughout the race, trying to look after them to have a push with three laps to go and, and it's your opportunity's gone. So I'm, I'm sure it's very frustrating. Have you um, kissed and made up with Daz Binder after a couple of times last year? Yeah, away from the track, I actually got on really well with Darren. He's uh, he's actually a nice guy. He's he a good is, lad, he isn't he? Guy. He is. He's actually, um, he's so laid back off the track, isn't he? Like laid back almost comatose like, off track. <laughs> And yet, <laughs> on track, he is absolute demon, isn't he? He is. He is. He, he, I have to say, he's one of them guys. You never, you never like saying this because you wouldn't like any rider known. But he's one of them guys that you do just have to be a little bit on the edge around him because you just <laughs> don't know what he's going to do. He's like the the master of being unpredictable because he's he, he admits it himself. He doesn't really have brake markers. He doesn't really have any references on track. He just rides with with other people and. And if you break, he'll wait kind of one or two meters and then he'll Brilliant. break. But like some riders will be planning all weekend, like really working on that brake marker. And you find, I mean, the majority of riders should be doing this really, but you find a marker that, that that's the latest possible point that you can physically break at and still make the corner. And then you get to the race and you break at that point. And Darren's still like full gas beside you and breaks two or three meters later. And you're just waiting for disaster to happen in front of you. He's a character, hey, isn't he? It's entertaining. Oh. I've got to say, I love it. I, I'd hate to race against him, but we, I think we all, we're all we all Darren Binder fans because it's entertaining. <laughs> so, sometimes yeah. he does cross cross the line a little bit, obviously, and, and make contact with but riders. But there's another but, thing so. there, though, Neil, isn't there? That you know, And John's been in the team that, that he's been on. We're not going to call it an A team. It's not a Leopard, is it? It's not uh, uh, the the Mon Lao team, the Australia Galicia team, is it? So do you do you feel like sometimes it's, I've got to push that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of that going on. And like like, like I said earlier, we, we experienced that with John through you yeah. know, certain seasons on teams that weren't as, weren't as strong. So on those weekends where you're, you're really feeling it and you, you have got a good setup, you have to make the most of it and get those one-off results to, so that so the paddock can look at your season and go, I tell you what, this kid's definitely got some talent because it's hard to shine when you are in a C team, you know, B team, C team, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and as you managed to do at Bruno that time, 2016, John, with the Superman moment in the air where... <laughs> We almost uh, all lost it. Like you, you had it all under control, though, didn't you? Back in in the Czech Republic, when you won <laughs> that on. race in the wet. Gav, let me just let me just explain. This was John's first 
Grand Prix win at Bruno. It was a special day. It was pouring down. Because Carl won later in the day. It was a great day for the Brits, wasn't it? It was. And John, John got to the lead in the race, in the Moto3 race, and checked out, really. I don't know what second lead. It must have been a three-second lead or maybe more at one point. But he had this big slide with about <laughs> two laps to go. Uh, so how many seconds was it? <laughs> 12, 12, Twelve seconds. Twelve seconds. So explain this this near crash you had then with a couple of laps to go. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously it was um, it was a wet race. So the, with the the Peugeot that was riding, it was basically Peugeot was a Mahindra was was different brand, and um, they were known for having great chassis. And that year, we basically had the perfect setup. The bike was working so well, we just didn't have any power. So it was kind of like you were saying a moment ago, when you have those moments, when you feel like you can you can have a good result, you really have to make the most of it. And we went out in morning warm-up. It had been dry all the way through practice and qualifying, and we were struggling to even be inside the top 10. Then we went out in, uh, in morning warm-up, and I remember just feeling good instantly, kind of in wet weather. You know, you almost know when you're out lap whether the bike's going to work or whether it's not going to work. And rolling round and I came round after like two or three laps in warm up and it was something like four seconds a lap faster than anyone else. So I kind of thought, right, this this is my day. This is when uh, when it's going to hopefully all come together. And then uh, the race started and Brad Binder was, was leading the championship that year and he, he made a push, got to the front and started breaking away. And I managed to, to come through the group and chase down Brad. I, I caught Brad kind of mid-race distance and I was riding around really comfortably and actually kind of started to think of a plan of what I could do uh, at the end of the race, finding out where Brad was strong and where Brad was, was not so strong. And then I think it must have been, to be honest, I don't remember exactly, I think seven or eight laps from the end of the race, went into turn one and through no fault of his own, it was there was a, a river running across turn one. Brad high-sided out of turn one, so the next thing I know, I'm, I'm in the lead. And I continued to push, but the rain got that heavy that I genuinely couldn't see my pit board. I was looking at my pit board, and I just couldn't make out what it was saying. And in them kind of situations, you don't want to look over your shoulder because it's so easy to lose concentration when it's that wet and you're trying to avoid white lines and avoid curbs and hit all your markers. So... I was trying my hardest to look, and I was sure the pit board was saying like one second, 1.1, 1.2. So I continued to push, thinking there's still seven or eight laps here. These these guys could potentially catch me. And what I didn't know was the pit board was actually saying like plus 10, plus 11, plus 12. <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, that was basically the story behind it. And looking back now, when I see the reaction of the team when, when I nearly high-sided at the bottom of uh, a horsepower hill, they literally probably would have killed me because I had a <laughs> second lead with about three laps to go and I'm still pushing thinking that these guys are only kind of one one and a half seconds behind me and it was actually that moment that made me calm down quite a lot because after that moment I looked over my shoulder expecting them expecting like a group of them to be right on my rear wheel and I turned around and I couldn't even see anyone at like turn is it turn nine or turn ten the long right hander at the far end of the circuit mm. so I then knew okay I've got got a bit of time here i can uh, can calm down for these last couple of laps there were tears in the eyes that day john i tell you of all of us yeah, it oh, was uh, that was a, a great day a fantastic day and we're so glad you brought it home and okay and of course last year in in france um but we just don't know when you're next gonna be back out on track with another chance to do it how are you how are you dealing with the not knowing at the moment yeah it's obviously obviously tough not knowing but right now there's there's bigger things going on you know the main 
the main thing is is for for the whole world really to to get on the road to recovery and and uh, yeah to to kind of beat this this coronavirus. But yeah, on a racing racing side of things, yeah, obviously I'd love to be back racing, and we're kind of in the position now where we're just yeah waiting for waiting for things to hopefully uh, quiet down, and then we'll we'll follow the follow the guidelines of what, what Dorna have in plan for us. But yeah, extremely excited to get back on the bike again. I wonder if you're uh, taking this time, you know, away from racing and perhaps not having to, to train or not being able to train as much as you normally would to um, go through some of the accountancy study manuals. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Explain, Neil. Well, back to when I first interviewed John, that was the Auburn <laughs> conversation we, we mentioned earlier. One of the questions, like I said, this is back in 2014. <laughs> one of the questions was, okay, and I interviewed all the Brits, so it was like Bradley Smith, Scott Redding, Cal. It was, <laughs> if, you don't, if, you, if you weren't a professional motorcycle racer, what would you do for a living? Most riders were like, oh, I'd work in construction. Was it Scott uh, Redding said he'd be a gigolo? That was it, he'd be a gigolo. John, I sat down with John and he went, I'd be an accountant. I, I would have been an accountant. And I was like, you know what? An accountant? <laughs> I have never heard any motorcycle racer ever say that. And and you know what? I'm so glad you've actually brought that back up because I have no idea where that even came from. Brilliant, brilliant. Not a chance. Absolutely not a chance. I would be an accountant. How's your maths? I maybe like to think it's actually not bad. It's right. not bad. But I can't think of anything worse than having to sit and go through paperwork. Exactly. So I genuinely, at the time. I was obviously kind of the new... The Rabbit new in the headlights, John. Yeah, and, and then I get asked this question, and I'm like, well, better not say I'm going to be a lorry driver, because that's, that's like probably the route I would end up going down. And I didn't know, didn't really know what to say, so I'm like, uh, probably, I don't know, an accountant? <laughs> Brilliant. I, I actually don't know where it came from. So, I love yeah, that. I'm glad we went back. And, I'm glad we've gone and, back to it. I am. I actually... I like the backstory of it now. That's even better. I love you even more, John. That's super. That makes it even better. Well, maybe you can get back to the books now, John. We'll, uh, we'll let you go because we know you've got to go and do something with uh, the MotoGP website. Slightly, uh, you know, less important than us. But, you know, nonetheless, um, you've got to go and do something there. You know. But we do appreciate your time, John. Thanks for uh, stopping by and having a chat. And uh, hopefully we see you out soon, mate. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, take care, mate. We'll see you soon. Catch up with you guys. Yeah, thank you. All right, take care. Speak to you soon. Cheers, John. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. John McPhee has left the building, ladies and gentlemen. Neil Hodgson hasn't left the building, though. Oh, just love him. Yeah, just love him. Top lad, isn't he? And uh, such a nice guy. Such a do, nice. Do you know bloke. what? And a lovely family yeah. as well. Yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Great upbringing, let's like say. Great family. The, I think the best compliments I can pay him is he's not like any other motorcycle racer I know. You, you, you know, to be a top motorcycle racer, which John clearly is, you need a big ego. You've got to be hard. You've got to take the knocks. And John's just John. He's just happy-go-lucky. If he had, if he'd finished twentieth in Qatar or if he'd won in Qatar, when we when we see him after the event, obviously he's disappointed if he's had a bad result. 
But in general, you always get the same John. This really nice kid. He's an intelligent lad. He's fun to be around. And I don't know. I just like like I said, he's he's like my son. I just I've got a, I've got a lot of time, a lot of respect, and a lot of love for John Murphy. I really have. I'm not I, just saying that. I'm not going to say that. Bear in mind on the podcast. I'm not going to say everybody we speak to. Oh yeah, I love this person so much. But well, no, John's because special. we know some of the people that we're planning to get on, and you definitely don't love all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that much is certain. Um, but it's it's a shame for someone uh, like him if we don't get much more racing this year. I don't want to go into all the the contract shenanigans, that kind of thing. Um, but he's he's got his best chance, hasn't he? that he's ever had staying in the same excellent team on a good bike, good package, uh, good people around him. Yes. But yes, it would be, obviously it's a massive shame if, if no racing goes ahead this year, but he's in a strong position, Gav. That's one thing. Imagine if he had, a, let's say had a terrible first round in Qatar and finished 15th, mm. which you can do, as you know, you'd be mm. a couple of seconds off the win. So he's in a strong position. So whatever happens, at least he'll be super chilled at home thinking, well, the team aren't all of a sudden going to announce, well, next year we're going to have to let you go, John, because we don't really think you're, you know, you're cut for this. So it'll, it'll, be, it'll be fine. Yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for joining us once more. John McPhee, our guest. This time we've got some more massive guests uh, coming up soon on Gas It Out. Um, we're not going to reveal them just yet, though, but we'll tease you with the fact that you're going to want to listen in. That's fair to say, isn't it, Neil? All I can say is when one of them who's coming up really soon loves a cup of tea. Ooh, that, I mean, that's a... I mean, might as well give it away. But anyway, yeah, let's leave it. Let's leave it. I love a cup of tea. But do you know what? I won't make my own. I have to have someone else make it for me. Well, that's like you with everything. <laughs> Mr. Five Star Diva. I only fly first class. Emmett. Do you know why, though? Because I'm just rubbish at it. I always make it too strong if I make it. I don't like it strong. I don't like it so yeah. the spoon stands up in it. Say I do. Some people like that sort of thing, don't they? Uh, right. What have you got on then for the for the rest of the weekend? Well, from now pretty much till Sunday. Obviously, we've got the BT program on Sunday, so I've got to set up the studio. Believe oh. it or not, here you've got so. to film yourself doing that, please. Oh. I don't Get Vic to film that, please. Honest, honestly, Gav. The, well, you know you've got the same amount of kit. There's lighting equipment. There's all sorts. I've had another uh, well, one arrive. Today, an, oh an extra an extra couple of lines. <laughs> oh no! And you, well, you're going to be flat out. Are you doing? You're interviewing all the riders, aren't you? Yeah. So I'm hoping in my office up here, where I'm recording this now, I'm going to spin the chair around, and hopefully on my TV, I'm going to have, you know, just the likes of Max Biaggi, Seta Gibbonau, Jorge Lorenzo, and Valentino Rossi. Yeah. In my, in my no ridiculous way. office, yes. You're going to interview Valentino Rossi from your office. Well, he to be to be honest, he hasn't said yes yet, but we're hoping. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be so good if we can get him. Oh my god, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm nervous about that because they'll be looking hey, listen, at my though, decor. So so when when you get him, when you get like the live connection, and I don't know if you're going to do it a Skype call or whatever it's going to work. Obviously, this is for the BT show. Can we just, because we've got him, just steal him? You call me and go, right, here you are on Gas It Out. Yes. <laughs> we just Nick Valentino Rossi. I'll try and do Guess it. Guest number four. That will go down like a turd baguette, <laughs> won't it? Oh, that... <laughs> oh. I just pictured it then. Oh. The baguette, that is. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, well, that's what I've got coming up this weekend. So I'm, I've got lots of prep to do um, while cutting this up and, and putting this out. So um, anyway, I suppose we better crack on with it. So Yeah, let's crack on. Uh, cheers, Neil. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of the weekend. And I'll speak to you um, on Sunday. Speak to you on Sunday live on BT Sport 1. BT Sport 1, big time. We've hit the big time. Uh, yes, cheers. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.